We interrupt your regularly scheduled podcast to bring you Listen, Watch, Discuss. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Listen, Watch, Discuss. As always, I'm your host, Bernaken. And uh, real quick before we get into this episode, uh, I would just like to say that on my last episode, which was the my review for Foo Fighters' album, Wasting Light, I mentioned that the next episode was going to be a Christmas review. There was a, a review of uh, a Christmas special or movie or episode of a show, you know. And um, I decided to take last week off. So last week there was no Christmas episode. Uh, and tonight's episode isn't going to be a Christmas episode either. That will be... Uh, the Christmas review, the Christmas special review will be, uh, next week sometime either on the 20, probably the 23rd, maybe the 24th. Um, but that'll be next week along with another review, um, which I will let you guys know what that's going to be Saturday when I post, uh, the next, um, one of my next episodes. So yeah, I have three episodes planned for this week. Um, I'll let you guys know what the other two are at the end of this, uh, review, but, uh, tonight's episode is going to be a, another ranking list. Uh, I will be ranking the Spider-Man movies, um, in preparation for No Way Home. I, uh, watched all of the Spider-Man movies, including the two Venom movies and Into the Spider-Verse. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that will be, uh, tonight's review. So without further ado, let's get started. Real quick, before we get into the review, I would like to mention that there are going to be some light spoilers for all of the Spider-Man movies, including Toby's, Tobey Maguire's trilogy, Andrew Garfield's duology, uh, the two Tom Holland movies that are out uh, right now, and uh, Into the Spider-Verse and the two Venom movies. So if you haven't seen any of the I, any one of those movies, uh, click off of this episode right now because I will be going into slight spoilers on on uh, all the movies. But if you don't care about spoilers, or if you've seen all the movies, then uh, you may proceed. Um, yeah, so let's get into it. So needless to say, I am very excited for No Way Home. Uh, it comes out tomorrow night. And um, and yeah, I, I think the last time that a, an MCU film generated this much hype was, was uh, Endgame. Uh, Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, um, and and there and and there's a and and there's a reason why this film is generated and the hype that it has, um, because uh, you know the rumors that, I mean you know all the way back from when it was announced from the rumors that uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield Spider Man were going to be in it, uh, to the rumors that oh we may get some of the villains in it too. The fact that Doctor Strange was, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch doc, uh, as Doctor Strange was going to be in the movie. Uh, the rumors of Charlie Cox's Daredevil from the Marvel Netflix series Daredevil. The fact that he might be in it. You know, and there was just, there was a, there were a lot of rumors and a lot of characters, you know, hyped uh, to be in this movie. Uh, or to be in No Way Home. And, um... And who knows? Uh, I mean, we know the villains will be. You know, anyone who's seen the trailer knows that. Uh, you know, knows at least five of the villains that are going to be in the movie. Uh, and you know, and we and and I love that they and real quick, I love that they didn't show uh, Toby and Andrew. I love that they didn't show the two of them in the trailer. It kind of kept 
it, it kept you wanting more, you know? And it's like, well, at this point, you know, it's not, they're going to show up. It's not like they won't show up, you know? But, uh, but yeah, anyway, I'll talk more, uh, that'll be tomorrow night's episode. I'll be reviewing No Way Home tomorrow night after I, after I go see the movie. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll talk more about that, uh, the movie tomorrow night. But yeah, so, uh, for now, let's, uh, go to, uh, the list. So right at number 10, we have The Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, The Amazing Spider-Man is the first of the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. Uh, It came out in uh, May... Or no, no, I'm sorry. It came out July 3rd, 2012, and it was directed by uh, the appropriately titled Mark Webb. (laughs) And and basically, uh, this movie um, follows... Uh, Peter, you know, obviously, uh, becoming Spider-Man, you know, we all know Spider-Man's origin and, uh, he becomes, he becomes Spider-Man and, uh, in this movie he ends up having to fight, uh, one of Oscorp's, uh, leading scientists, uh, Dr. Kurt Connors, who transforms into the lizard. Um, and that's, you know, he has to fight him throughout the movie and, um, and that's, and that's the plot. And, uh, I really... I liked this movie and, uh, I kind of hate putting it at the, the, you know, dead last, but, uh, I mean, something had to go in the last place naturally. So, and I, I almost wanted to put, uh, the amazing Spider-Man two last until I rewatched, uh, the amazing Spider-Man two and realized that I, I liked it better. So, um, so it's, so it's, uh, further up the list. Um, not too much further up, but you know. But, uh, but yeah, I really did like uh, this movie. Um, I thought Andrew Garfield... A lot of people don't really seem to like his Spider-Man. Uh, and I'm not really entirely sure why. I don't know if it's because he seems a little more, like, awkward. But then again, Peter Parker was always kind of awkward. I mean, that's usually how he's portrayed. He's, he, you know, he's charming, but he's also an awkward teenager. And, you know, who, you know, is kind of sometimes naive, but does his best. You know, and... Or may or maybe maybe they just didn't see him as Spider Man or I don't know or maybe he seemed too confident and too charismatic you know um, but I don't know I I feel like I feel like Andrew Garfield did a really good job at portraying uh, uh, Spider Man at portraying Peter Parker I feel like he did a good job at portraying both you know Peter and um, and Spider-Man. He's, I don't think he's the best, though. I will tell you who I think the best is. I will go into who I think the best Spider-Man. The, the, I will go into who I think the best of the three. Uh, like, which one I think of the three, of Toby, Andrew, and Tom. Which one I think is the best at portraying both Peter and Spider-Man. Um, I, I, but I'll go into that later. But yeah, so... Uh, yeah... He just, he, I think he does a great job. Uh, I really like his suit. It's different from, you know, the, the uh, Tom and Toby suits. Uh, it's a little darker, like in color. And uh, I love the spider logo on the suit. I love how big and bold it looks. And uh, and I love the that the web pattern design on uh, Andrew's suit isn't... Uh, it, it's it's it stands out a little bit more than Tom's suit, but not quite as much as Toby's. Where like the web pattern was almost protruding off of the suit, like you know, like it was a different part of the suit. This one, 
it's kind of like a mix between Toby and Tom's where like the, the web lines are like slightly over the suit itself, but they're not like ingrained into the suit like Tom's is. And they're not protruding out so far like Toby's are. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, that, 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 that's great. All that is, uh, and he does a great job. Uh, and, and, um, the actor who plays, uh, Kurt Connors, uh, or the lizard, I feel like I'm going to butcher his name. Rye Afons. It's, it's spelled R. His first name is spelled R H Y S. Rise Afons. Rye Afons. I'll just say Rye Afons. He did a great job as, uh, as Kurt Connors and the lizard. And, uh, and the CGI was really good on, uh, when he transformed into the lizard, it looked really detailed and fluid and, um, and it was, tw- I mean, this, this, uh, movie came out in 2012, so it wasn't going to look terrible, you know, but, but it just, it looked really well detailed and, um, I, and I liked that a lot. Uh, I loved that, uh, we got, we ended up getting to see, uh, which is something we didn't see in the Tom Holland or Toby movies. I love that in the, in, uh, this movie we get to see, actually see, uh, Peter's parents. We get to see Richard and, uh, May Parker and, uh. And yeah, that, that was really cool. Um, and we get to see, you know, Richard experimenting with these spiders that, you know, eventually end up, uh, biting Peter and turning him into Spider-Man. Um, and we, and we find out that his father worked at Oscorp, which, uh, was new information to me. And because I'm someone who hasn't read the Spider-Man comics, uh, that was kind of a cool revelation to find out. I'm like, Oh, I didn't know that. Um, so that was neat. And I and um, I really I really did like uh, the fact that this this movie does something a little different. Uh, well, they all do, but but in terms of uh, Peter's love interest, I love that we get uh, Gwen Stacy instead of uh, Mary Jane or MJ, because in um, I know I keep mentioning Toby and Tom's movies, but it, but in the uh, Sam Raimi Toby Maguire trilogy and the Tom Holland movies. We've had uh, MJ be P- Peter's love interest, so I like that. Uh, with this movie, they decided, oh, you know what? We'll switch it up. We'll uh, we'll have Gwen Stacy be that because you know in the comics. I mean, you know, I've done a little bit of research. I know some of a few some some of some of the lore and some of the backstory on some of the Spider Man things. And thanks to fans online, you know, I, I I've read stuff you know from them. But yes, but yeah, Gwen Stacy, you know, uh, during the comics was Peter's. Uh, love interest and friend and you know, and all that and uh and sometimes it was MJ and you know there's and obviously with comics in the MCU comics there's like different universes like alternate universes of Spider-Man and uh different you know the comic the issues run for forever so I mean there's obviously you know it could be the same Spider-Man and maybe he d- uh, dated MJ and Gwen at some point and it was the same Spider-Man but uh but I really liked that Emma Stone did a fantastic job at playing Gwen Stacy, uh, and side note, she looks gorgeous with blonde hair. Uh, I mean, I love her red hair, but she, she looked fantastic as a blonde, uh, I feel like, but, uh, but, she, but, and, and I love the chemistry between the two of them. They had really good chemistry. They, they both kind of had this really awkward, you know, teenage, you know, I mean, cause they're teenagers. They both had this awkward teenage uh, chemistry, I, you know, and, and they, and it, and it was cute, you know, and they, and they played it off really well. And, uh, yeah, so that was great. Uh, I love that we got Dennis Leary. That was kind of a nice, 
uh, surprise as uh, Gwen's father, uh, Mr. St- uh, George Stacy, uh, the police captain of the uh, NYPD. Uh, he was really cool. Uh, nice surprise to see him in there. And, uh, and I guess that's it. Yeah, the, the movie was great. Um, I liked the... Uh, I liked the villain, you know, the acting was great, the chemistry between Peter and Gwen was fantastic, or, or between Andrew and Emma, and, um, and it ended on a good, it ended on a good kind of cliffhanger with, uh, um, you know, uh, with Peter, uh, defeating the lizard, but, you know, obviously realizing, oh yeah, there still is work to be done, and, you know, kind of, I guess it's not really a cliffhanger, but it does leave you wanting more and obviously it kind of feels like they're gonna go you know that they're gonna release another movie so but uh but yeah I I feel like I'm going on about this one a little too long so and I have nine other movies to go so uh with that being said uh yeah let's move right on to number nine so number nine I told you this one wouldn't be too much further down the list at number nine we have the amazing spider-man 2 now, a lot of you are probably who are listening to this right now are probably wondering, what? Why do you have this Amazing Spider-Man two right before the the Amazing Spider-Man? Are you crazy? The first one was way better. And again, this is an unpopular opinion of mine, but I just prefer this one over the first one. And again, don't get me wrong, the first one I I already said I really liked a lot. I just like this one better because for a few reasons. Now I will admit that there are a few things that the Amazing Spider-Man does better than the, than uh, two, um, but I will get into those in a second. What I really like about this movie is um, so like the I really like the villains. Uh, I really liked uh, Electro. I thought Jamie Fox did a great job with him at like portraying this like beat up loser that like the world just shits on constantly. Like, like he was, you know, like he, he did, and, and you feel, you feel sad for him, like, cause he's just like this nerdy loser, like just living in a, this gross, timid, or not timid, this gross, you know, dark, lonely apartment. And, you know, you just feel bad for him. And then when he transforms into the villain, when he gets electrocuted and falls into the, the pool of eels and becomes Electro, it looks really cool. You know, like he, he has a really cool, like blue lightning design he looks like uh like one of those lamps that when you touch it the electricity flows to where you touched it um you know like one of those it's like one of those uh balls uh the it's like one of those bulbs that you touch at a science museum and you know the electricity comes towards your fingers towards your hand you know wh- whatever you touched it with and uh and and it, it just has this like very bright blue and kind of white vibrant look and um and and he he was he was a really cool villain he had cool powers you know how he could just drain electricity from from pretty much an entire city you know once he got to his power grid <clears throat> excuse me and uh and that was really cool to see and uh and and I liked that I liked that they set that up early in the movie with uh his relationship with like his 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 view of uh Spider-Man of Peter because uh well, he does, he doesn't know that he's Peter Parker, but you know, in the beginning of the movie, we uh, see Spider Man save Max. Uh, this that was his name before he became Electro, uh, f- from getting run over at, while while he's trying to because uh, Spider Man's trying to stop this other villain, uh, Alexi, <clears throat> from successfully robbing a bank, and uh, 
and Max is already, I mean, he's, even before uh, Spider-Man or Peter saves him, you know, he's already, like, enamored with Spider-Man. Like, he's his number one fan, uh, you know, according to him. He's, and he's just obsessed with him. And, uh, and, you know, so it was just, uh, it was cool to see that kind of setup. And, and, you know, uh, Max wanting to kind of be the center of attention for once, considering that he is almost like a shadow, like no one ever, you know, notices him or pays attention. Like they just um, completely ignore him. So when he does become Electro, it is, you can kind of see why he starts to go off the rails because, uh, Peter ends up not recognizing, recognizing him when they, when he runs into him and that kind of, you know, that kind of pushes him off the edge a little bit. And then him finally being recognized by people, you know, is, it, it, you know, that's kind of the cherry on top, you know, he's like, oh, you know, so he feels like he's, you know, he's doing all this to get attention from everyone. And, you know, and because, you know, everyone was kind of shitty to him or, and just wouldn't give him the time of day. And, um, and yeah, that, so that was really cool. And I really liked, uh, when he teamed up with, uh, Harry Osborn, uh, the Green Goblin or the New Goblin, because technically his father Norman is the Green Goblin. But, uh, I thought that was really cool, and I liked the actor who played, uh, speaking of the acting, I liked the actor who played Harry, uh, Dane DeHaan, I thought he did a really good job at playing, like, this more, like, this really manic, desperate, um, you know, angry, vile character, you know, and, and, um, and I thought that the way they wrote him into the movie, um, Made made just enough sense for it to be like okay well I guess that explains why he wasn't in the first one at all because uh, I mean you know we obviously do see Oscorp in the first movie because Kirk Connors you know was a uh, head scientist there but it was like okay it's weird why we haven't seen Norman or Harry or even a mention of him but you know the fact that he was at boarding school for most of his life you know up until a few days ago uh, or you know up you know up until the events of this movie. It's like, okay, well, that's an, a believable enough of an excuse as to why Harry wasn't there. That makes sense. But uh, I will say, though, that while I did like Dane DeHaan, uh, I really did not care for his him transforming into a goblin. You know, I, I kind of prefer the uh, Sam Raimi trilogy way of how they did it, where it was just like the, the glider and the costume, like how, how Norman and Harry did it uh, in those, in those movies. And, um, it didn't look like terrible, but as, when you compare it to the CGI on Electro and, and at the end of the movie, Rhino, it just, it, it looks a little jarring to say the least. It looks a little, it looks a little unfinished and it just looks, you know, it just sticks out like a sore thumb to me when compared to, you know, how good Electro and Rhino look. Um, uh, and, and, uh, I really do love and and I really do love that this movie uh, had the balls to kill off Gwen because uh, they were probably planning. Uh, apparently, they were planning two more uh, Amazing Spider-Man movies, but uh, it didn't. I guess it didn't make enough money, and Marvel, uh, Marvel Studios wanted Spider-Man to come to the MCU, so they had to strike a deal with Sony, and you know they ceased production on, you know, the spinoffs that they were going to do and the two sequels, uh, which sucks because this movie ends on a big cliffhanger. But, uh, but I really do appreciate that this movie had the balls to kill off Gwen Stacy. And that was a really, and I really liked the fight preceding that with, uh, Peter or with Spider-Man and Green Goblin. 
uh, after he kills Electro. Uh, it was very tense because, you know, you're like, oh, they're not going to kill Gwen, even though, you know, Green Goblin, you know, even though Peter's holding on to her via a web, you know, like via a web he shot at her, you know, while he's, you know, in the middle of fighting, uh, you know, Harry. And, uh, but then when he drops her, like he, they fall from this clock tower, um, and it, you know, it's just a very beautifully shot, very intense scene. And then, you know, you see Peter shoot a web at her and you're like, oh, okay, well, he's going to catch her. Um, and you know, you know, the, the, the web pulls and, and she's like two inches from the ground. You hear her spine crack and it's like, oh, that shit. Wait, is that, is this actually happening? And I remember when I went to go see this in the theater, cause I know this, you know, I, I didn't see the first Sp- Amazing Spider-Man until a few days ago, but I did see the Amazing Spider-Man 2 when it came out in theaters. And when I saw that, I'm like, oh shit, they really just killed her off. Damn, that I didn't see that coming. That was, I just appreciate that they actually did something that drastic. And I I love it and I hate it because I loved Peter and Gwen's relationship in the first two, in the two movies. Uh, and the fact that they just got back together and the fact that Gwen was about to go to a co- about to go to college and you know um uh, in Oxford I mean that that was you know or well she kind of decided I think she kind of decided not to because she wanted to stay with Peter but well no 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 P- uh, her and Peter were going to like go to London yeah that's what they were going to do but yeah so uh I love it because they actually went through with something that I didn't expect they would you know that was like shocking and you know, surprising. And, but I also hate it because I love their chemistry. Um, and I also love the movie that the movie, uh, teases a sequel with the sinister six because, uh, you know, uh, Harry is talking to, uh, one of his associates and, um, we, and they, uh, he ends up walking, well, not Harry, but his associate ends up walking past these, uh, these gadgets. Like we see the vultures, uh, winged, uh, jetpack and we see, um, and we see uh, Doc Ock's tentacles, and it's like, oh shit, that's really cool, because um, you know, it's like, cause that, cause from what I again, from what I've read, I know that they are a part of the uh, Sinister Six, like some, some, like a few of the Spider-Man villains, including the Green Goblin and Rhino, and all them and Doc Ock, they're part of this uh, supervillain team called the Sinister Six. So it's cool to see, it was cool to see that teased, but because. I knew that this was the last Amazing Spider-Man movie. I'm like, well, I guess none of that matters. And then, and then when we get to that scene at the end where he's fighting Rhino and it cuts to black right before he chucks a like right before he web slings like you know hits him in the face with a uh, like a chunk of metal. Uh, then he web swings at him. It's like, I mean, that was a cool shot to end the movie on. But like the fact that it ends on that cliffhanger, you know, it's like ah, it's so infuriating because you know that because you know that there's no more to it. Uh, again, unless they continue that front in no way home, like unless they wrap up that fight, which would be kind of cool to see. Um, but yeah, unless they do that, then that, that probably won't happen. But, uh, but yeah, so I liked this one a little better than the, uh, the amazing Spider-Man and, uh, and that's why, uh, but the amazing Spider-Man did have, I feel like, better acting from its villain. Like, I feel like the villain in that one was a little better, the, uh, the lizard. Um, and, and also the fat and also just, I guess maybe, I don't know, just the maybe overall tone of the first amazing Spider-Man was a little better. It was a little lighter. Um, 
Oh, and also I liked that in this in this uh we we finally get to we finally find out what happened with uh Peter's parents. Uh because they set that up in the first one and it pays off it and we finally get to see you know what happened to them, you know, how they, you know, they ended up dying in a plane crash. But you know, we find out the the reason why and it's it's really cool. Uh okay, so I just now realized I've been talking about the only <laughs> I've only gotten to, through the 10 and 9. I've only gotten through two of these. So, uh I'm going to speed it up a little bit. Um okay, so number 8, we have uh Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man. Uh this was the two it was released in 2002. It was directed by Sam Raimi and uh it came out to be more specific, it came out May 3rd of 2002. And um and I really liked this one. I liked uh the acting from it. I liked the kind of gimmicky and cheesy but also like genuine comic book feel that this movie had and uh like the action sequences uh the way they were edited kind of felt like a comic book and um I liked uh w- you know uh Toby Maguire I feel like did a really good job. I mean if you ask anyone what their favorite Spider-Man is uh, a lot of people will go with Toby Maguire and I can see why because he just has this certain he has he has kind of a charm to him but he has like this awkwardness you know he he just kind of has this naive awkwardness to him uh that's you know lovable you know it's you can't help but you you can't help but not love the guy you know <laughs> and um and you know and he's just it, it's just and and I guess and it also has a lot to do with the fact that he was the first uh Spider-Man um I mean he was the first like live action theatrical version of Spider-Man, you know. So uh and a lot of and you know the movie came out nearly 20 years ago so people still have uh nostalgic feelings towards the not just the first Spider-Man but all three Spider-Man movies, you know, in the same Raimi trilogy. And uh and yeah, so the acting was great from Toby uh Kirsten Dunst was a great MJ. Uh, she was very cute and upbeat and, you know, they, they, and they had great, uh, they had a great dynamic between the two of them and, um, and, you know, and, uh, Aunt May was good. I forgot to mention Sally Field in, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. She, she played a great Aunt, Aunt May. Uh, and this Aunt May, uh, she's, uh, she's a little older looking than, than, uh, Sally Field, but, uh, she, she's almost like grandmother age look like that's how old she looks, but uh, she does a great job. Um, Rosemary Harris is the actress's name. Yeah. And, um, uh, and yeah, it's, you just got a lot of good actors in here. Jane, uh, Willem Dafoe plays the Green Goblin, uh, or Harry Osborne, or I mean, Norman Osborne. And, uh, he's a great villain. He does a fantastic job. He's the, you know, head of Oscorp, uh, the CEO, uh, James Franco, which I didn't know, like I had seen like you know, I had heard things about the movie and I'd seen clips, but I didn't know James Franco was in the trilogy at all. So that was a nice surprise that, uh, to see him in it. Uh, but he plays, uh, Norman's son, Harry Osborne in this one. And, um, and he did a good job and, uh, and yeah, it just, it, it was a good solid movie. Uh, the reason why it's so, the reason why it's like number eight on the list though, is because I feel like the, uh, seven through one are just a little better. I mean, the, the movies that are, you know, ranked from seven to one are better. And, and even the other two films in the trilogy, I feel like are a little better. But that being said though, this was a great start to, you know, the first of what would be many different reincarnations of Spider-Man. 
Um, and, and Toby knocked it out of the park. At number seven, we have Venom. Uh, Venom was released on October 5th, 2018, and it was directed by Ruben Fleischer. I believe I'm pronouncing his name right. And, uh, and this was the this movie was uh, after Venom first appeared in at, in uh, Spider-Man Three, uh, Sony wanted to develop a spin-off film based on the character, and they eventually got it in the form of Tom Hardy's Venom, <laughs> and uh, I really did like Venom, uh, even though Spider-Man isn't in the movie. I consider this to be a part of the Spider-Man, you know, universe, uh, especially considering the events of the. Uh, the post credit scene at the end of Venom 2, which I'll go into when I when I get to that one on the list. But uh but because he is a Spider Man villain and, you know, it is you know, I I figured it it only made sense uh to include it. And because, you know, it was a movie made by Sony and Columbia Pictures. So it only made sense. Uh but yeah, so basically, you know, uh Eddie Brock uh becomes infested with this uh alien symbiote named Venom and he has to stop this other symbiote named Riot, who is uh, has possessed the uh, this uh, brilliant scientist Carlton Drake. Uh, he has to stop him from uh, sending a rocket to Venom and Riot's home planet, and sending back an entire armada of symbiotes just like them, who you know will take over the planet and uh, infest everyone, uh, and or kill everyone. Uh, but yeah, so. Uh, this was a good movie. Uh, I know a lot of people thought it was, you know, the tone was like inconsistent and there wasn't a strong, stronger connection to Spider-Man, but you know, I kind of liked that it stood on its own. I like that, you know, we just got a solo film about Venom, uh, and you know, to kind of develop him a little bit as a character. It was kind of cool to see, you know, it just focus on him and not have Spider-Man in the picture. Plus, I mean, we'll still get, uh... It's not like we won't see him and Spider-Man interact at all. They just wanted to kind of take this film to establish him by himself. And I really liked that, that Sony did that. And, uh, and I think that Tom Hardy plays a really good Eddie Brock. Uh, you know, he does a great job. He does a good job with what he's given. Uh, and I love that he's also the voice of Venom. Like whenever we see Venom or we hear Venom talking to Eddie from inside him. Uh, I like that it's that he did the voice for him too. And that's cool. Um, Jenny Slate has a small role as one of the scientists, uh, Dr. Skirth, who helps him. Uh, she did great. Riz, um, Riz Ahmad, uh, or um, is it Ahmed? Riz Ahmed. Yeah. He was great. Him as the villain, Carlton Drake and, uh, Michelle Williams. She played, uh, Annie, uh, or Anne. Yeah, she she was uh, Eddie's girlfriend. Um, she did a good job too, and um, and yeah, I just I really liked that the film, um, you know, kind of, you know, it wasn't too long, it wasn't too short, it had just the right amount of uh, darker moments and uh, comedic moments, and and I liked that it was dark but not too dark and not too gory because uh, they could have made it rated R, which would have been cool, but I liked that they kept it PG thirteen. Um, to kind of uh, fit the tone more of the Spider-Man movies, you know, because uh, if they are going to, if if Venom is going to be in No Way Home or if he's ever going to interact with uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man in any way, it would be a li- kind of strange to have, you know, it'd be a little inconsistent for him to be like biting heads off and, you know, tearing people's guts out and, you know, 
just seeing all this blood and everything and and all this graphic death and then you know have you know everything that goes on in the MCU with Spider-Man and all them which they, not that they haven't gotten a little dark and not that they haven't had some you know shocking deaths before but you know they've never they've kind of stayed away from like gory deaths you know gory bloody deaths but uh but yeah so uh yeah I feel comfortable placing this one at number 7 uh that means and while I do like this one I do think Venom 2 is a little better and uh and we will and oh and I also like the post credit scene because it brilliantly introduces uh Cletus Cassidy uh, played by Woody Harrelson, who become who is, you know, uh, set up to be the villain in the in Venom Two. I mean, like that's kind of like what they're, that's kind of what they were going for with that post credit scene with Eddie visiting uh, Cletus in the uh, uh, holding cell in the penitentiary that they have him in. So uh, that was really cool when I saw that a few years ago. Um, of course, at the time when I was watching, I didn't know who he was, but when I looked it up, I'm like, oh shit, that's cool. Uh, he kind of had a cool backstory, so or that I, I mean, I thought he did. Um, and need, and you know, I would and needless to say, I was excited for the second one. Uh, and I will get to that one uh, a couple films down the list, not too, and it's not too far down the list either. Uh, so number six, we have Spider-Man: Homecoming. Now, uh, this one uh, is the first. This movie is the not only the first. Tom Holland movie, a Spider-Man movie, but it is also the first, uh, MCU movie. Well, okay. Not the first MCU movie featuring Spider-Man. That would be civil war, which came out a year prior, but, uh, it's the first, it's the first movie, um, that has, uh, Spider-Man as like the, in, in his own movie, like starring in his own movie. Uh, in the MCU, so it's really it was really cool to see him being introduced in the MCU, and uh, and maybe this is a maybe this is a little biased because I've seen uh, the Tom Holland movies first, but and this is just my opinion, but I think that Tom Holland of of the three Spider Men of the three live action Spider Men that we've had, I think that Tom Holland is the best uh, because in my opinion, to me, he just nails the the he balances so well the naivety of Pe- the you know awkward you know naivety of peter and the hopeful you know up and coming you know filled with can do the spirit and can do attitude of spider-man and um and and i love his suit i mean i love the you know the suit the original suit and i love the iron spider suit that tony makes for him uh in this uh that we see at the end of this movie um, which is used, which is used a lot in the sequel Far From Home. Uh, and that's, and that's really cool. Um, actually, well, it's not used as much as in Far From Home as it is in Infinity War and Endgame, but we do see it, uh, throughout Far From Home. We do see it a few times in that movie, but, uh, but yeah, I really liked this movie because, uh, I mean, not counting Civil War, it was, which I guess technically was my introduction to, Spider-Man. I mean, that was like the first movie I watched with him in it. Uh, you know, but this was his first solo movie. So when I saw this movie for the first time, I'm like, man, this is a really good movie. And, uh, and I really liked, uh, the acting from it. Um, uh, I really liked, I liked that, uh, I liked that storyline that they set up in Civil War with, uh, Tony, you know, Iron Man being, uh, being Peter's mentor. 
I liked that. And uh, even though Tony wasn't in the movie for that long, he did have some very poignant uh, scenes with Peter uh, talking about how, especially that scene on the ferry after he helps Peter save everyone on the on the ferry, when he's talking, when Peter says, I'm nothing without the suit, and Tony responds with, if you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. And uh, and that was a very deep, you know, line. Um, and it's kind of ironic coming from Tony, considering that, that his power is, you know, his suits. But, I mean, he also is, he, but, I mean, he didn't mean like, you know, he didn't necessarily mean super-powered-wise. He just meant like, you know, as a person, you know, and as a hero. But, I mean, you could be a hero without powers, you know, like, obviously. But, you know... It is funny though that line coming from him, but uh, but obviously Tony is more than that without the suit, um, and and all that. But yeah, the, you know that was great. You know, uh, yeah, I think he was only in the movie for eight minutes, but Robert Downey Jr. again always knocks it out of the park. Always kills it whenever he plays Iron Man or whenever he plays Tony. Uh, I thought Michael Keaton was a great choice uh, for the villain. Uh, he played a great vulture or Tombs uh, is his character's name. And uh, and I love that twist with uh, the girl that uh, uh, Peter has a crush on. I love that that uh, her father is uh, Adrian Toomes, is the vulture, uh, the villain that he ended up fighting earlier in the movie. You know that, we, that he encounters uh, earlier in the movie, and uh, and that was really cool. Um, and I liked and I liked the action sequences, uh, especially like I said, uh, what I love that scene on the ferry. I love the action scene. I love the final fight at the end, um, and it was, it was really cool. Uh, I liked uh, I liked that Peter I liked uh, Peter's friend Ned uh, Jacob Batalone. Uh I thought he kind of uh, played off Peter really well, and uh, and Ned Ned was just he had a lot of funny one liners, um, and uh, and I think this is my favorite uh, Spider Man suit too, and yeah I know technically Tony designed it so. You know, there it might take away from some of the uh, charm that the other two had because you know in those two, uh, you know Toby, Toby and Andrews, uh, Peter Parker's actually built their suit. So I guess it kind of takes away from some of the, I guess, authenticity of it. But it's it's still really cool. I mean, obviously Peter probably had some input in it um, when Tony was making the suit. You know, but uh, but it is really cool because it's kind of like the irons. Well, I mean, that that the suit he uses in this movie is, but especially the Iron Spider suit is a lot like Tony's suit of armor. But you know, it's got uh, an uh, automatic AI that he ends up calling, naming Karen. Um, it can uh, the suit can shoot like up to eight hundred or somewhere around eight hundred, I think maybe more. Uh, different web combinations, like there's taser web and and uh, grenade web, and and it's really cool. And uh, Zendaya played. She she played MJ. I thought she did played. She did a really good job as MJ. It's a different take on MJ than the uh, Tobey Maguire uh, trilogy, but uh, you know she's she's a little bit more not really a smart aleck, but she's a little more stuck in her ways, I guess, and a little a little snarkier, you know, a little more cynical. But uh, you know, we do see kind of a softer side of her throughout the movie, and especially towards the end when she tells. Or when when she tells Ned and Peter and the her classmates in the uh, uh, you know that are was it the spelling bee I think it was the spelling bee but she she's uh, in the library and uh, she's like oh yeah only my friends call me uh, 
my friends call me MJ. My name's Michelle, you know, but my friends call me MJ. And Ned's like, I thought we, I thought you didn't have any friends. And she goes, I didn't like that. And uh, so, you know, you kind of see her character growth towards the end of the movie uh, with that. I mean, you know, you kind of see that she has developed a little bit since the beginning. And that was really cool. And, uh, and yeah, it was cool. Uh, Yeah, Tony being his mentor. uh, Oh, and uh, Aunt May, I uh, I thought she was really cool. Uh, Marissa Tomei. And, And I like, one thing I like about this movie is that she actually looks like an aunt. Because, well, Sally Field kind of looked like an aunt, but... But her and and Rosemary Harris, they looked more like, to me, they looked a little bit more like grandmothers than they did aunts. And uh, so I thought it was cool that they got an actress for uh, this version of Spider-Man, you know, to play uh, Peter's aunt. And she actually looks closer to an aunt's age than a grandmother's age. Uh, Because she's like, I think, 57, but she's got this long brown hair. and, uh, And the others kind of had like, I mean, not that it's bad, but like they were a little older, obviously they kind of had wrinkles, a few wrinkles and, and Rosemary's, uh, Aunt May was, you know, had completely gray and white hair. So, uh, I mean, not that that's bad. That's just my personal preference. I, and I think she's the best Aunt May of the three. Um, again, maybe sounds a little biased, but I mean, that, that's just, that's just me. Um, oh, and I liked that Happy was in the movie, uh, John Favreau. I always love whenever he shows up in, the MCU, he's, he's a pretty good side character, um, and yeah, so, and, and, uh, and also they set up a really interesting, uh, uh, end of the movie with the post credit scene, um, with, uh, Vulture finding out that, uh, Spider-Man's Peter Parker, oh, and also I like that one thing that this movie does too, that the other two, tri- or not trilogies, but the other two film series didn't do, was, uh, reveal to Aunt May was have Peter accidentally reveal that he is Spider-Man to Aunt May, which is cool because neither of the other two film series did that. Um, so I, I, I liked that right off the bat at the end of the fir- at the end of this movie, you know, Peter's in his room, um, you know, looking out the window in his suit and he has the door open and, uh, and we, we just cut to Aunt May or we, we, the camera spins around and we see Aunt May standing at the door. She's like, what the f-? And then it cuts to the credits right before she, drops the f-bomb and uh that was a perfect way to end the movie and uh although one thing that obviously that would have been avoided had uh had peter in this movie had the door locking that had the door lock the automatic door lock on his uh bedroom door like andrew garfield spider-man did which that's one thing i forgot to mention about that i love that uh that version of spider-man had a lock on his door for when he, whenever he had to change in or out of his suit and he was at his, in his room, you know, I was like, oh, that's smart. That way no one, you know, whether it was May or Gwen or whoever decided to show up to his room, that way, you know, they obviously couldn't just barge in, you know. Um, but yeah, so yeah, great movie. Um, uh, good place. Number six, I feel like, um, that's a good spot for it. Yeah. Uh, number five, we have Venom 2, or Venom Let There Be Carnage, and, uh, Venom 2, I definitely feel is a worthy sequel to the first Venom, and I actually, and I just got done watching it today, um, because it was the last movie in my marathon of, uh, Spider-Man movies, and, um, and I actually think not only is it a worthy sequel to the 2018 Venom, but, uh, but I actually think it's a little better than uh 
than the um, than the first Venom. And uh, and I and I like like I said, uh, Woody Harrelson is great as Carnage. He's a great villain. I mean, he's great as Cletus, uh, Cletus Cassidy. He plays this really, you know, crazy serial killer really well. Um, but kind kind of kind of uh, kind of nuanced in a way, you know, kind of a little more not somber, but a little more calmer than you'd expect. But I mean, he does have like his moments of like outrage and 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 anger. You know, that that's it's really makes you like revel in his performance. It's like, wow, this is really good. And he, and he also voices Carnage too. And so he does a great job as Carnage as well. And, uh, and I liked his backstory. I thought that he had an interesting, tragic backstory as to how he became a serial killer, uh, how he became who he was, how he became the man that he was today, you know? And, um, and I just liked that it built off what the previous movie established. And, uh, it was cool to see Anne and, Anne and her fiance, Dan again. And, Eddie and even though Eddie and Anne didn't get back together, you know it was still kind of cool to see them that they were still on good terms for the most part. And um, I thought it was interesting too that uh, they kind of portrayed Eddie and Venom's relationship as a romantic relationship. Like, uh, like obviously, they it's not a romantic relationship; it's a symbiotic relationship. But it was I, I like that it was, and it was played for laughs. But I, I kind of like how their friendship was kind of portrayed as a romantic relationship. Like it was an allegory for a, uh, a romantic relationship. And, uh, and it was kind of, and it was uh, neat to kind of see Venom off on his own, you know, just infecting other people, uh, trying to find another host to live in. Uh, and then realizing that he wanted to be, uh, you know, realizing that he wanted Eddie to be his host, but, you know, still kind of having to work through, you know, the fight they got into because they got into this big fight and, uh, that resulted in them quote unquote breaking up, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but it, it, you know, it was cool to kind of see Venom develop more and, you know, have Eddie, you know, continuing from the end of the first one, you know, trying to tell him, Hey, you know, we only eat bad guys, you know, we got to kind of lay low because, you know, the cops and the FBI are still on my ass, you know, they're still, you know, they're still kind of wondering, you know, all why why all these murders happened around me you know in the back in the events of the first movie so you know we just got to kind of lay low and uh you know so that was cool um i liked uh cletus's relationship with francis i feel like they could have done more with her but she did good with what she was given and i feel like but i feel like the movie could have benefited from being a little bit longer because it is like 20 minutes i feel like i think 20 minutes shorter 20 or I think 20 or 30. Yeah, it's like 20, 30 minutes shorter than uh, its predecessor, than the first Venom. And uh, it could have benefited from some from extra runtime. Uh, but, you know, that, but with what they had, uh, the, I mean, they wrapped up everything pretty well. And uh, even though Cletus and Carnage died, uh, Woody Harrelson did great. It would be cool to see him reprise the role. I mean, they are establishing the multi... I mean, you know, they are the multiverse is breaking and, you know, all the villains are coming in no way home. So it, you know, we could maybe get, uh, Woody Harrelson playing Cletus slash carnage from another universe, similar to, you know, the, uh, the universe he came from just, you know, one where he did die, you know, that'd be kind of neat, but who knows? They may do that. They may not. But, uh, but yeah, so I think it was a sequel that is just a little better than the first one. Uh, 
not by a whole lot, but but it but I it I would consider it a sequel better than the original. And um and that's always nice when you can say that about a sequel. Um so yeah. Oh, and and plus the post-credit scene which pretty much confirms that Venom's going to be in No Way Home when uh they they're in this uh danky hotel room cuz you know they're on the run from the cops and uh and they end up there's a blinding light that appears outside of their hotel window and they end up in this like completely different hotel in a different day in a different time and they're and on the news we see J Jonah Jameson from uh from the end of no, uh, far from home uh doing his news report on the fact that Peter Parker is Spider-Man you know cuz everyone knows and uh and venom and we just see Eddie and Venom looking at the TV and you know that got me hyped because I'm like oh shit he's going to be in the he's probably going to be the sixth villain in the, in the Sinister Six team up in, in No Way Home. But, uh, but yeah, so that, that was great. Um, uh, number five, we, or um, not five, I just did five. Uh, number four, we have Spider-Man 2. Now, this one, this movie is often considered the best, uh, of the Tobey Maguire trilogy. Uh, and I can see why, because, you know, I mean, not only does it build upon, uh, what the previous, Spider-Man uh, movie established, but it also, you know, adds some more elements and makes the story even more interesting by, uh, you know, just, you know, ju- just flushing out the characters more and introducing a really great villain in uh, Alfred Molina's uh, Doc Ock. I thought he did a really great job. And I like how he ends the movie kind of being the hero or kind of helping Peter in a way, like he realizes the danger of the machine he's created and how it could kind of like, you know, destroy the, destroy earth and destroy the universe. And, um, and, you know, he ends up sacrificing himself to, uh, to basically, you know, stop his, uh, fusion power project. And, uh, and, and it's really cool. Um, and, 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 and the CGI work on his, uh, on his tentacles, like, and, and especially in that scene when, uh, the tentacles end up attaching themselves permanently to his back. Uh, it was really good, and uh, and that scene when he's uh, they're trying to remove the tentacles from him while he's comatose, and then the the tentacles since they have like AI since they're artificial intelligence, they're like, uh, what are you doing? You know, and they just go berserk, just go ape shit on the doctors and and kill them all. That that was a that was a cool scene. Uh, it kind of and the way it was shot, and uh, it kind of felt like a came from a horror movie, you know, <laughs> uh, that was really neat, and, uh, I really liked the, uh, what else, I really liked the post credit scene with, uh, you know, er, and throughout the movie, we see Harry's kind of descent into madness after seeing that, uh, you know, after, you know, mistakenly thinking that Spider-Man killed his dad when he was just dropping him off at the house after his, uh, his and, uh, Peter's, you know, battle, um, and, you know, and, uh, and obviously, you know, it looked bad. It, it did kind of look like Spider-Man or Peter, you know, had killed, uh, Harry's father. But, uh, obviously, you know, if you've seen the movie, you know, that's not the case. Um, Norman accidentally killed himself by getting stabbed by his glider. But, um, uh, but yeah, so, so it was really cool to see that. And I love the post-credit scene, uh, cause it was really a cool post-credit scene just to see him talking to, Harry, just to see Harry talking to his father through the mirror and, and then coming across that secret room after he breaks the mirror, after he breaks the mirror, uh, and seeing all the prototype goblin tech that, uh, his father had 
you know, kind of ready and either for him or just kind of just in case he himself ever needed it. And, uh, that was really cool. Uh, but yeah, and there's, and there's a bunch of great moments in the movie, like, uh, the, the subway train scene, uh, you know, that, that when, and, you know, and, and all the people on the train agreeing to keep his identity a secret. That was cool. Uh, again, the hospital scene where they're trying to remove the tentacles, uh, Doc, you know, Otto sacrificing himself, you know, and, and, you know, just seeing him, you know, dr- uh, drown as he's like, you know, uh, as he's being kind of pulled down by the, uh, you know, his machine, uh, you know, I mean, the whole movie's great, but you know, it's full of great moments like that. And, uh, and yeah, it's just, it's just a fun watch. Um, but yeah, I, I would say, and, and before I watched Spider-Man three, I would I was confident in saying that this was my favorite of the Toby trilogy, but I think uh but after seeing the third one I can honestly say that it is not. The third one is. Uh and that places Spider-Man 3 at number 3. So Spider-Man 3 is the last movie in the Sam Raimi trilogy and I think that it goes out with a bane. I uh I liked the villains uh I mean, they did have, they maybe had one too many, uh, cause they had Venom, Sandman, and, uh, and Harry, uh, aka the New Goblin, but, uh, but, I, and, and considering that Sam Raimi didn't want to have Venom in the third one and instead wanted to introduce him in the fourth one and, you know, essentially making the trilogy a quadrilogy, uh, and, you know, Sony saying no, put Venom in the movie anyway, because Sam wanted to only have it be about Sandman and the new Goblin, and, you know, Sony kind of just forced him to include Venom, but, I mean, that being said, even though they kind of, you know, made him add Venom, you know, I feel like Sam did a pretty good job at, uh, in, in, you know, including him in the story, you know, and not, and not feeling, and not having him feel shoehorned in, you know, um, Although I would have kind of liked to have seen more of a reason uh, as to why Venom crash landed on Earth. Like we just see a meteor rock crash land on Earth early on in the movie, and we just see Venom, you know, the little symbiote, crawl out of the rock, and uh, and and, you know, and it's like, well, okay, I guess that's enough of an explanation. But I mean, it's like, but why did he crash land on Earth? You know, was he going somewhere else? Uh, was he going to Earth? was he going somewhere else and something crashed into him? Who was someone chasing him? Why, why was he going there? Why did he end up there? You know, but, but it is what it is. It's fine. But yeah, uh, but Topher Grace plays of great Venom, great Eddie Brock. Uh, he might be, I like Tom Hardy's Venom, but I think I like, uh, and, uh, Eddie Brock. I like Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock and Venom, but I think I like Topher Grace a little bit more. Uh, just because he comes off a little bit more as this like arrogant prick who's kind of just like he's like this arrogant macho prick in a way <laughs> that's kind of just like mocking Peter like you know uh, I mean not not like flash levels of like prickness but you know like he is in a way kind of an asshole in a, in, in a way but uh, but I think he did a really good job and uh, I I really love the CGI work in this movie not just with Venom uh, but although that scene where he uh, is uh, being, uh, although that scene where Venom is attaching himself to Eddie in the church, that is a really great scene. But uh, that CGI work with uh, Flint, uh, Thomas Hayden Church, uh, plays this character Flint. Uh, he becomes a Sandman. 
though the CGI work they do with Sandman, that scene where he, where we, you know, he's in the sand pit and we see the sand pull together and morph into a human. And then he turns into a physical human. I mean, he turns from sand, you know, we, and we see him trying to pick up uh, the picture of his daughter that was in his pocket and he can't pick it up because he's made out of sand. And you can just see the emotion in his face, even though he's a made of sand, you know. And and then when we see him turn back into a, you know, what he used to look like when he was when he was a human before he fell into the sand pit, you know that that's just and that was in two thousand seven. But that looks that CGI rivals CGI that came out that that's out today in in some movies, and it just is flawless. Like if that was if if that if that was just that scene and nothing else, that probably would have made a really good that would have made a good short film that probably would have won some awards uh, at some film festivals it was that good uh, just it, that scene in and of itself um but yeah it's, it's, I, you know i feel like the, all the villains were great um oh and we and we get introduced to an, another version of Gwen Stacy in in this movie uh played by Bryce Dallas Howard uh, or a different, not version, a, well, a different interpretation of the character, because, you know, we had Emma Stone's Gwen Stacy in the Amazing Spider-Man movies. And uh, I feel like, and again, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, I feel like she did a good job with what she was given. She wasn't in the movie a whole lot. I mean, not as, you know, not nearly to the degree that Emma Stone's Gwen Stacy was in The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, but, you know, and obviously it makes sense because there are a shit ton of characters in Spider-Man 3. But uh, she did good with what she was given and I thought that she made a great Gwen Stacy and it was cool to see uh her and uh Eddie kind of being an item and then later when to, uh when Peter is bully Maguire as people have called him on called him online you know uh that that meme where he's <laughs> bully Maguire uh but when he when uh Peter is possessed by Venom you know we see uh you know her talking uh or we see them on a date and you know they, they kind of had some good chemistry and uh, and the action sequences were great, especially the final fight between, uh, you know, Peter, Harry, Sandman, and Venom. Um, and there were and there were some unexpected deaths and moments in that in that the last like twenty thirty minutes of the movie, and uh, it was just really good. Uh, and also, I I can't believe I forgot. Uh, J.K. Simmons was great throughout. I mean, not just this movie, but especially the first two movies. Uh, he played a great J. Jonah Jameson, uh, and I'm glad that he's also reprising his role as uh, J. Jonah Jameson in No Way Home, which uh, he he also reprised his role. He also reprised that role at the end of Far From Home. We see him at the very end in one of the post credit scenes uh, as he's doing a report about you know um, the fact that Peter is Spider Man, but uh, but yeah, the, uh, he did a he did a great job with what he was given to. He had a lot of great uh, funny lines. And um, and yeah, I just think that the 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 reason why Spider Man Three is the best to me, the third best overall, and the best uh, of the uh, Sam Raimi trilogy is because it's just uh, it's action packed, it's heartfelt, uh, you know, and it and it just provides a satisfying conclusion to the trilogy, um, and and even for the characters that died, like uh, Harry. Like even like he in he you know spent the last three movies kind of hating Peter while not realizing it was him until you know this movie, but you know for thinking that he killed his dad and then when he finds out he didn't, you know uh, 
and and especially when MJ when he finds out that MJ's in trouble, you know he agrees to help. I mean, you know he flies in uh, last minute almost, and and helps Peter, uh, and and uh, Venom, and only to be killed by Venom, and him and MJ and P- Peter, MJ and Harry end up having this you know heartfelt conversation, and uh, where Harry ends up forgiving Peter and apologizing for you know how he was acting. And it it was you know and apologizing for trying to kill him, and it was just this, this very heartfelt sweet scene, and uh, and even though he died, it was still it was a good way to end Harry's character, um, yeah, and it was uh but yeah so I mean and that's and that's to me why Spider Man three is the third best and the best of the third best overall of the movies and the best of the Sam Raimi trilogy. Uh, next, uh, coming down to the last two, uh, number two, at number two, we have Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, this one is the direct sequel to Tom Holland's first, uh, Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man Homecoming, and, uh, it came out in 2019, first Spider-Man, the first Tom Holland Spider-Man came out in 2017, this one came out in July 2nd of 2019, uh, directed by, I believe, John Watts, yeah, John Watts. And, um, and this movie, uh, there, there, this was, I think the reason why this is my second favorite, uh, and again, it would have been my first favorite, but you know, there, there's one more on the list that we haven't gotten to yet that deserves the top spot. Uh, but, but this, the reason why it, I mean, it's, it's pretty damn close. It's at number two, but the reason why this is one of my, this is like my second favorite is because. I just love everything about the movie. I love that we go to Europe. I just love the, like the, you know, the locations in the movie. Cause it, it's, I always love whenever characters like travel the world. I always love like seeing a new location. Um, besides, you know, where the characters are and, and it's always kind of cool to see characters go to a new location that a new place they've never been before. Uh, but the scenery was beautiful, like when they went to Italy and the Czech Republic, the Netherlands. Uh, but it was also just a really cool, you know, continuation of Homecoming because, you know, uh, it was just interesting to see Peter, you know, after the events of Endgame, one with, you know, having, you know, him just having helped, you know, the Avengers and their allies save the universe and watching his mentor, the one who provided him with the suit and made him an official Avenger, die, you know, after having seen Tony die and all that, you know, Peter just wants to take a nice vacation. And unfortunately for him, Nick Fury has other plans. He ends up getting dragged into this, uh, into this battle. Uh, he ends up getting dragged into helping, uh, this new, uh, hero Mysterio who, uh, uh, AKA Quentin Beck is his real name played by Jack Gyllenhaal who, uh, you know, who ends up, you know, uh, there's these creatures from, apparently he, he introduces himself as he's from another dimension and there's these creatures that destroyed his earth, uh, the, and they ended up, uh, traveling from his earth to, uh, to, uh, the, their earth, to Peter's earth. And, uh, and he has to help him stop him. And, um, it's really cool. And I really do love, uh, the twist with Quentin because for the first half of the movie, when we see him, you think, oh, okay, we've got a new hero. We've got another Avenger, you know, a future Avenger, like, you know, uh, in the MCU. But then it's revealed that he was a former employee of Tony Stark who was using uh, drones and illusion tech 
and uh you know uh and and along with the help of of um uh, a bunch of Tony Stark's former employees uh you know they helped with the drones and and illusion tech and all that but he was using drones uh to basically cast illusions that he was a superhero called Mysterio and uh and he was doing all this to get uh these glasses that uh Tony left for Peter that allowed him to uh basically you know uh you know like he basically have access to all of Tony's um Tony's you know his security system uh the you know weapon system and all that and um and it was really and it was really good twist cuz when I saw it in the theaters when I saw the movie in the theaters I'm like oh shit like I didn't I didn't see that coming cuz Quentin or you know he he played it up so well like like he was so caring of Peter and trusting of Peter and like he put on this he put on this great facade this great illusion you know and uh, and it was just really you know it was just a damn it was a it was a big betrayal to the group i mean or, i mean not the group i mean to to peter and and nick fury and you know and and you you were kind of hoping he was he was a bad, he was a good guy but but uh but yeah i mean that was a great twist and jake Gyllenhaal really did a great job as mysterio he was a great villain great adversary for Peter, I feel like, and, uh, and it was cool to see Peter, and I loved this movie, too, because it dealt more, I mean, you know, it dealt more with Peter, you know, having to kind of make that choice, you know, like, it dealt more with him having to balance, not that he didn't in Homecoming, but it, uh, it dealt more with him having to balance his, uh, his personal life, you know, just, you know, wanting to, tell MJ, you know, how he feels about her and just go on this trip to Europe and enjoy it, you know, with his class, you know, and hang out with Ned and, you know, and all that, you know, trying to balance that part of his life with the superhero part of his life and, you know, wanting to kind of just, you know, take a vacation, just enjoy, just enjoy some time off without having to save the world, you know, like, because, you know, I mean, and people forget, you know, but I mean, Peter is a teenager, you know, like he, I mean, he is you know, heroic, and he does, you know, save the day, but, you know, there also, he also does want to live his life, you know, he does want to, you know, find some time where he can just be a normal teenager for, you know, for just, for, you know, a few days of the week, you know, not having to constantly be in hero mode 24-7, you know, and, uh, and yeah, it was just, I, I liked that aspect of the movie, again, along with Peter having to go through, I mean, you know, having to deal with the fact that his mentor that he's known for the last couple of years died saving the universe, you know, and, um, and, you know, that, that was really cool to see. Um, and yeah, and I really did like the, uh, budding romance between, uh, Peter and MJ and, uh, I thought they had really good chemistry and I'm glad they got together at the end of this movie, um, because, uh, I really do think they make a cute couple and I, I love, and the humor was, uh, was really good. And, uh, the visual of the, the CGI work in this movie is amazing, especially, particularly this one scene where Mysterio or Quentin, you know, is basically guilt tripping Peter into making him feel shitty about himself and, uh, trying to, and he's trying to get some information out of him as to where his classmates are going to be so he can attack that, so he can like kill them and, and attack that location and uh and it's it's just a really cool trippy sequence like we see like we see uh, mysterio take off his helmet 
and it and it's a snow globe and Peter's trapped inside it and then we see like an army of Mysterios and we see Peter falling through the like falling uh like through uh, a glass mirror and uh you know it's just, it's just it looks really cool and then and then there's this really cool uh sequence or there's this really cool part where we see uh dead Tony like uh Peter's standing in what look standing in front of like an illusion of like Tony's grave and Mysterio says, maybe if you were any good, Tony would still be alive. And then we see a, a zombie Iron Man pop out of the ground and like spiders crawling out of his face. And it, that was a really creepy, cool moment. And, uh, but yeah, it was just, I really liked, like he did a great job as the villain. Uh, the humor was great. I really, and I liked that Peter and MJ got together. I liked uh, Ned and Betty. I, I thought that was a really, I thought they were a cute couple and it was hilarious that the fact that they ended up getting together during the, like, not really having, not really speaking too much and not having a whole lot in common, but then by the time they, they flew from Queens to uh, to Italy, the, an eight-hour flight, they ended up becoming a couple. And then when they get back at the end of the movie, when they get back to Queens or, or Jersey, that they go to the airport in New York, New Jersey, when they get back... Um, they've already broken up. Like Peter's like, Hey, maybe you and the two of you could join me and MJ. We could go on a double date. And they both say in unison, Oh, we broke up. And Peter's like, why? And Ned's like, Oh, well, you know, men and women, they grow apart, but the time they had together was, you know, will be cherished forever. And, uh, <laughs> it's just, and, and it was funny considering that Ned wanted them to be American bachelors in Europe. That was his old plan only for, you know, him to have a, have a one-time fling with, with, uh, Betty. Um, but yeah, so, oh, and Happy and Aunt May, they kind of teased a little summer fling, a little relationship with them. Uh, they kind of were flirting. And, and I think they, I think John Favreau and Marissa Tomei, they had good chem, they have good chemistry. And, uh, I would be interested to see if that relationship continues in No Way Home. Uh, cause that was pretty interesting how they did that. Um, and also the post credit scenes are insane uh, because not only do they set up Far From Home, but they set up the Secret Invasion show uh, that's coming – that one of the Marvel shows coming to Disney Plus next year or year after next uh, because we have like Nick Fury out in space with the scrolls that were introduced in Captain Marvel. He's just taking a vacation on this giant space station that the scrolls have built and the whole movie, what we thought was Nick Fury and Maria Hill were actually Talos – one of the scrolls and his wife and it's like oh shit like that was a good twist and then the that was the second post credit scene and then the first one with uh, Mysterio having uploaded having had one of his uh, workers having one of his assistants henchmen you know uh, upload the uh, upload this video to the news and uh, just having MJ and Peter in the middle of Times Square with the incriminating footage of Quentin revealing that uh, not only and again, this is all a lie, but um, or this is a lie, the first part, but revealing that not only did Peter Parker kill him and steal the drones back from him, you know, steal the tech, but also, which was, you know, again, a bold-faced lie, but, you know, it was to make him, it was to prop himself up and make him look good, you know, but not only was that a lie, but it was also, uh, not only did he reveal that, but he also, to the public, but he also revealed that Spider. He also revealed that Peter. Uh, he also revealed Peter's identity to the world. He revealed that Spider. I mean, he revealed that Peter. He revealed that Spider-Man was Peter, 
And again, and I like how the movie, the post credit scene ends with Peter going, what the f... And then cutting to the credits again. Kind of like how the first movie ended with uh, May going, what the f... You know. And, uh, but yeah, so those post credit scenes, when I first saw them, I'm like, holy shit, what's going to happen going forward? You know? And, uh, and it took a year and a half after Far From Home for us to get anything else MCU related because, well, you know, the pandemic kind of put a an ass put it was an ass grinding halt to uh the movie industry for a little bit i mean there were still some movies released in 2020 but yeah a lot of movie a lot of movies were pushed back to 2021 or even 2022 because they were you know because of the the pandemic and them being afraid they wouldn't make their money back you know um and having to follow cdc guidelines and all that but uh but yeah, and, and you know, and and when and I can't tell you when WandaVision came back this January, I was like, yes, finally, because you know it had been a year and a half since we had anything Marvel related, so it was just really refreshing to see some MCU content this year. And boy, did we get a shit ton of it! I mean, and and the last thing, and we still have like the season finale of Hawkeye next week, but uh, and then and then No Way Home comes out the uh, tomorrow, but after that. That's all, but we this year has been jam packed with Marvel content, and I'm glad that we've had it uh because I've been craving it for a year and a half but uh but yeah, so that was great and uh now finally, because I believe this podcast has gone on over an hour uh <laughs> now we move on to my number one uh my number one favorite spider man film, and that is if you haven't guessed it already spider man into the spider verse and this came out the same year as Venom. It came out in December of 2018. And um and it is the only like theatrically released animated Spider-Man movie. And it uh and I just really love this movie because I love seeing all the different versions of Spider-Man and I love like the fact that we see them from throughout like from different universes. So like there's a we get a Penny Parker who's this like Japanese She's this anime anime schoolgirl with a robot that uh, like is like a spider robot, and then we have a black and white like film noir detective Spider Man voiced by of, of all people Nicolas Cage, uh, and then and then we have uh, to make it even weirder we have a spider pig who isn't a he isn't a he wasn't a pig that was bitten by a radioactive spider he was a spider that was <laughs> bitten by a radioactive pig, and. Uh, you know, if that didn't sound insane enough, you know, that's, but that's just a, that's just some of the insanity you're, you'd witness watching, you're, you're going to witness watching Into the Spider-Verse, but it is, not only is the animation crisp and clear, like, it's like CGI, and I think, like, the frame rates are knocked down a little bit, so it's not like, you know, it's not, it's not as fast-paced looking as it should, should be, but, I mean, it's, it's still fast-paced, you know, in all the right places, and it has very fluid animation, but the the frame rate being like slowed down kind of gave it more of a comic book feeling, especially, and 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 especially whenever they had like panels popping up of like thought bubbles of what the characters were thinking or you know tech uh, text describing like uh like whenever someone got hit like sometimes they'd have like an uh, an action word like kapow or something, uh, you know or, or something like that, um so that gave it like a very comic book feel to it, um, and uh, and it was just. Yeah, and on top of the animation, the voice acting was really good. Like you had Jake, uh, I think Jake Johnson is his name, from uh, from New Girl, voicing uh, Peter Parker, and uh, then you had uh, 
Sh- Shakia Moore, I believe is his name, uh, playing Miles Morales, uh, who, you know, uh, he, he was a great Spider-Man. Um, and then, and then Haley Steinfeld playing Gwen Stacy or Spider-Woman. Uh, they all three did a great job. Um, and it was, it was cool to see all the different versions of Spider-Man and all, and all their varying different backstories that they had yet. Like they were all vastly different yet also slightly similar in a way, you know? And, um, yeah, it was just really, it was just a really good movie. And I liked the villains too. I liked the different looks of some of the villains. I liked that. I liked the design of the green goblin Kingpin was a very menacing, you know, uh, intense villain. And he had a really interesting and tragic backstory as to why he, you know, built the super collider and why he was, you know, tearing apart the fabric of the universe and braining all these multiverses together. You know, like he had a really good, you know, tragic backstory as to, as to why, and reason as to why he was doing that. Uh, it was cool to see. And, and, and because this isn't the same universe with Peter Parker, I mean, it, Peter was in this universe. We did have a Spider-Man in this universe who ends up tragically dying. Kingpin ends up killing him. Um, and Miles witnesses all this, but we end up seeing, um, uh, like this isn't the exact same universe as, uh, you know, like the, you can tell, like, uh, this isn't the exact same universe as the one that the Peter voiced by Jack Johnson, you know, it's not his universe, you know, uh, cause he's from another universe, but, uh, we do see a few things that are different, like within each universe. And one of the things that's different in, Miles' universe is that uh, Doc Ock is a woman. So I thought that was kind of a neat change because uh, it's like, oh, yeah, well, with the multiverse, obviously some of the characters are going to be are gonna look different and some might even be a different gender or a different color. So it was kind of cool to see a lady version of Doc Ock. And Catherine Hahn, who played Agatha in WandaVision, voices uh, Olivia Octavius. And uh, I think she did a really good job. Um... And what else? Yeah, voice acting was great. Animation was great. Um, yeah, and it was just, it was really funny too and very heartfelt. Uh, and it just had the the lessons, you know, and like the the, the morality of a, uh, and the heart that makes Spider-Man, that makes a Spider-Man, that makes Spider-Man who he is and that makes a Spider-Man movie what a, what it, what a Spider-Man movie is, you know, because Spider-Man you know, it's filled with hope and filled with heart and filled with those, not cheesy, but just filled with good life lessons and, and good lessons about, uh, you know, not just being a superhero, but also being a good person. And, you know, and the lesson and, you know, the lesson that this movie taught, you know, I mean, it was kind of like anyone could wear the mask, you know, we are all Spider-Man, like we all aspire to be greater and be better and, and be a hero, even if we don't necessarily have you know, even if the, we don't necessarily have powers, you know, we can be better people, you know, and, 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 and that line at the end too, about, um, you know, Peter, uh, or towards the end, Miles says, how will I know when I'm, when I'm ready to be the next Spider-Man, you know, and, uh, and how will I know when my powers are ready and, you know, and all that. And, uh, Miles, Miles is asking Peter this and Peter responds with, you won't. It's a leap of faith, Miles. That all that's all it is. And and you know, that's a good life lesson too, because that is you know, that is kind of life in a nutshell. It's a leap of faith. And th- and that's and that's and with a lot of decisions in life, that's that is how 
a lot of major life decisions are. You know, I mean, it is in a way kind of a leap of faith because you don't always know how things are going to turn out. You hope they turn out for the better, but you know, you, you just never know, 100% know. And, uh, and that is kind of what Spider-Man is about too. You know, it's about a leap of faith. It's about, you know, and it's, it's about trying to do the right thing, even, even, you know, and it's about being a hero, even though, you know, the stakes, even though the odds may be against you, even if the stakes are super high, you know, it's about, you know, being, being there for the people and being a continuing source of inspiration and, you know, just, and just being this awesome, badass high school, college aged, 40 year old, you know, <laughs> 40 year old in this Peter Parker's case, you know, cause he's uh, from a dimension where he's been Spider-Man for 22 years, but, you know, just being this, you know, high school, college aged kid that, you know, just, you know, he just saves people and is just, you know, again, again, filled with hope, filled with optimism, a little naive, a little awkward, but, you know, always does what's right and saves the day. And, um, and yeah, that was, uh, and, 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 and that's why, and, and, and that, that's why really that I love, uh, Into the Spider-Verse. And that's why I think that, uh, it is the best Spider-Man movie of them all. Um, and I do hope that the sequel coming out next year, because they released a trailer for it a few days ago, I do hope that uh, it is good. It looks like it's going to be good, uh, especially because we see Spider-Man 2099, who was teased at the end of Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, Miguel O'Hara uh, is uh, his actual name, and then Spider-Man 2099 is his Spider-Man you know, uh, persona. And uh, he was voiced by Oscar Isaac. So, and he's returning. Uh, he's reprising his role as twenty ninety nine. So, I can't wait to see that. That's going to be great. Uh, and also the fact that it was called the next movie is called Across the Spider Verse Part One, meaning that we're going to get a third Spider Verse movie, or a part two, or you know, in this or a part two to Across the Spider Verse. You know, so the fact that we're getting a Spider Verse trilogy, like the, we're pretty much guaranteed another sequel after this one is, is insane. And I hope it lives up to the first one and exceeds it. Um, I mean the, the, this next one, not the third one, but I'm sure that will too. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so in conclusion, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse is my favorite. It has great animation. Uh, you know, the great, uh, great voice acting and great just acting in general. Uh, the humor's great. Uh, the, the story is very engaging and interesting and it, uh, and it has and it has plenty of references to all of the other incarnations of Spider-Man from the live action movies to even the 60s cartoon and uh and you know and, and there's even a little Stanley cameo a little animated Stan, Stanley cameo um which you know he's been in all of them but it it's cool to it was cool to see him as, as an animated version of himself and uh and it's and yeah and it's got all the messages and life lessons uh and hope that, you know, all the other Spider-Man movies have had. And, uh, while still kind of doing something a little different in this case, most in this case, kind of dealing with the multiverse with, uh, you know, very, various different Spider-Man and also being animated that, and, and that's what makes it stand out. That's what separates it from the others, you know, kind of makes it have more of its identity and stand out on its own, um, from, from, uh, it's, uh, from its peers. And, uh, and yeah, 
That's why it's my favorite. So, uh, I, yeah, I did not expect this uh, episode to be as long as it was. I'm sure this has gone way over an hour. Uh, (laughs) but, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's episode and, uh, look out for my, or not look out, um, expect my review of Spider-Man No Way Home sometime tomorrow night. Uh, and I will also let you know before the, before I review the movie where I will, where I would place No Way Home on the list, because obviously after having seen that, it'll go somewhere on the list. I just, uh, don't know where yet. Uh, it may be in the top five, who knows? I may have to shuffle a few around, uh, or it may, maybe at number five, maybe at two, who knows? But yeah, I expect that that'll be sometime tomorrow night, maybe early tomorrow night, definitely earlier than when I'm posting this, um, or it should be, um, maybe no guarantee on that, but it should be a a little earlier than when I'm posting this episode, which should be around 10 at night. Um, and also Saturday's episode will be a review of South Park's, uh, special, post-COVID, the return of COVID, which just premiered tonight. I still haven't watched it yet. I'm going to watch it either tomorrow or Saturday and then do the review on it Saturday. So uh, so that's what's coming up uh, the, uh, the rest of this week. And then uh, Saturday, I'll let you guys know what's in store for next week. So, uh, But with that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's episode. I look forward to the next two for this week. Um, really looking forward to No Way Home. And... Uh, Yeah, I will see you guys tomorrow night. Take care.